The following recording is from Parramatta Christian Church. We pray that this message inspires you in your walk with Christ. PCC, great to be together. Also, if you're fairly new at PCC, then I want to extend a warm welcome to you. It's great that you have joined us for our online service. Well, if you were around last week, you would know that we began a new sermon series entitled The King Revealed. And in this series, we're looking at some of Jesus' parables, the parables that begin the kingdom of God or the kingdom of heaven is like. This week, we're going to look at a pair of parables, two connected parables that I've been wanting to preach on for quite some time because there's so much to unearth in these two connected parables. And so if you've got your Bible close by, please reach it and turn to the Gospel of Matthew chapter 13. So that's Matthew 13. We're going to look at three verses. So that's all, three verses today. But these three verses contain a lot of kingdom treasure. Those verses, verses 44 through 46. 6 of Matthew 13. This is what Jesus says in these parables. Verse 44. The kingdom of heaven is like treasure hidden in a field. When a man found it, he hid it again, and then in his joy went and sold all he had and bought that field. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant looking for fine pearls. When he found one of great value, he went away and sold everything he had and bought it. Let's pray. Father, thank you, Lord, for your word and thank you for this series, The Kingdom Revealed. I pray, Lord, that the kingdom would be truly revealed through the preaching of your word this morning, Lord God. Enable me to preach in the power of the Holy Spirit and enable your people, Lord, sitting at home to receive these precious kingdom truths so that there would be new life, so that there would be transformation, so that there would be a greater sensitivity to the leading of your spirit. Lord, we want to be your kingdom people in this world, Lord, of uncertainty and darkness. And so, Lord, I pray, do all these things and so much more in your son's precious name we ask. Amen. Well, for those of you who might not know me, you're fairly new. My wife's name is Natalie. And when we moved into our current home nine years ago, the previous tenants left this super big, super heavy and super ugly flower pot in the backyard. In fact, it was so heavy that we couldn't move it, we couldn't budge it, and so we decided to try and grow herbs in it. Now, if you know anything about me, I don't have green thumbs, I'm terrible in the garden, unlike Natalie and unlike Graham, my father-in-law, he's a bit of an expert, but I'm shocking in the garden. And so after eight years of trying to grow herbs and other things, I failed miserably, and so Nat and I decided to sell this thing this ugly duckling of a flower pot on Gumtree. And so Nat took some happy snaps, put it on Gumtree, and to our surprise, a number of people contacted us. We put it up for 30 bucks. We thought, if we get 30 bucks for this ugly duckling of a pot, then we will be laughing. And amazingly, people all over the place, they wanted this pot. And what really surprised us and amazed us was that they didn't want to knock the price down. They were happy to pay the full 
all 30 bucks and be like sweet this is awesome and so one guy came around I was at work Nat was at home and he literally dragged to his car this heavy ugly pot and as he was doing that I think Nat was thinking I gotta suck in $30 for that well interestingly the next day people continued to contact us they wanted to buy the pot and we're like talk about one person's junk being another person's treasure like seriously this thing is terrible this pot was awful well we decided to do some research because people continued to contact us and this is what we found to our horror the pot that we sold out there in the marketplace fetch up to three hundred dollars a piece 300 bucks and so Nat was there thinking sucked in and this guy was lugging this huge pot to his car and you know what this guy was thinking he was thinking exactly the same thing he was like sucked in like you thought this was junk it's a treasure and I'm gonna sell it now for up to 300 bucks now other than amusing you with this unfortunate story, it's still clearly a sore point for me. I could have made 300 bucks, we sold it for 30 bucks, I can't believe it. Why am I telling you this true story? There is a point why I'm telling you this story, and the point is this. In a very similar way, the merchant guy in Jesus' second parable has said that these parables are connected. Well, the merchant guy in the second of these parables is just like the gum tree guy who found his pot of great worth. Of course, the difference, this guy tracked down a pearl of great price. Interestingly, some cultural details now, this merchant was most likely a wholesaler who went from town to town, uh, from fishing, fishing port to fishing port, in search of fine-looking, high-quality pearls that he would buy for resale. If he was around today, he would most certainly troll gum tree for people's junk and then sell them for a profit to make a quick buck. In Jesus' parable, though, interestingly, this guy, this merchant, he lays his eyes on this pearl of exquisite beauty. And it's precious, it's priceless. So much so that he decides, like the guy in the first parable with the treasure, to sell all his belongings. So he gets rid of his stuff. Likely he probably sold other pearls in his possession just to get this breathtaking pearl. And really this sets up the big idea that Jesus is stressing in each of these parables. And I'm going to give you the big idea up front and then we're going to tease this out. So this is the big idea that Jesus is stressing. The kingdom of God is so valuable, like treasure, like a fine pearl, that it's worth sacrificing anything or everything to get it. The kingdom of God is so valuable incalculably valuable and priceless that it's worth sacrificing anything to gain it. Last week, Hill called his sermon unstoppable. This week, I'm calling this sermon priceless because really this is the big idea in these two parables. The kingdom is priceless. Now, in our time together, this is what I want to do. I want to unpack for us four timeless kingdom truths as we think about these two connected parables. That is, we're going to notice four spiritual realities or four spiritual truths about the kingdom that we need to absorb into the bloodstream of our Christian faith. And so here's the first kingdom principle. It's this. I've already alluded to it. The kingdom of God is priceless. It's priceless. Jesus says the kingdom of heaven is like 
treasure. It's like a pearl, not just any old pearl, but a fine pearl. And pearls in the ancient world, in Jesus' time, they were considered like what diamonds are today. They were exquisite. They were so precious. They were very expensive. And yet this guy finds a pearl of great value and great price. Now, my question to us is this. All right, so Jesus is saying the kingdom is a treasure. It's, it's priceless. But, but why is it priceless? Why is the kingdom incalculably valuable? You know, the kingdom of God is what? The kingdom is his domain, it's his rule, it's his reign. And God's kingdom is not some tyrannical dictatorship. It's not some totalitarian regime. No, God's kingdom, his rule, his reign, his realm is one of freedom. And so those who actually come into the kingdom through the king of the kingdom, Jesus Christ, when they have faith in him, they experience what I like to call the five Fs, these five benefits. They experience, first of all, and this is the most precious thing about the kingdom, fellowship with God. Almighty God moves from being that person's judge to becoming that person's Abba Father. So fellowship with God, also fullness in life. Jesus said, I've come to give you life and life to the full. Well, we have that in the kingdom as we live as his kingdom citizens. Also, we experience freedom, freedom from fear, freedom from shame, freedom from guilt. Also, we experience forgiveness of our sin. Our sins are cancelled as far as the east is from the west, the Bible says, in Christ because he fully absorbed the judgment of God. We can be fully forgiven by God. And also in the kingdom, being his citizens, we have this future glory to look forward to, this future inheritance. Church, this is why the kingdom is priceless because of all these benefits we receive by being his kingdom people. And by the way, you can't find any of these things any place else. You can't find them in any political system or political movement or any religion or in any particular possession or relationship. These exquisite benefits are found only in the King of the Kingdom, the Lord Jesus Christ. And so this is why, first of all, the Kingdom is so priceless because of all these treasures that we get to enjoy as we live for the King, the Lord Jesus Christ. That's the first kingdom reality, it's priceless. The second is this. The kingdom, as told by Jesus here, taught by him, is hidden. It's priceless, it's valuable, but it's also partly concealed. Notice what Jesus says in these parables. He says, this kingdom is a treasure, but this treasure, treasure was actually buried. It was buried, all right? The guy didn't trip over this treasure trove, this treasure chest. No, he had to dig and uh, to find it. This, this pearl had to be sought. It wasn't just lying on the road. It had to be sought. That is, what Jesus is saying is that these costly objects weren't obvious to the casual observer. They had to be tracked down. They had to be located. They had to be discovered. And here lies another spiritual principle and truth that Jesus is revealing to us about God's kingdom. And it's this. Without the supernatural aid and help and ability of the Holy Spirit, the pricelessness, the preciousness of God's kingdom, all the things that we've already seen about why the kingdom is precious, remains hidden. 
That is, people don't perceive, without the Holy Spirit, the value and the beauty of the kingdom, and because they don't perceive it, they don't receive it. Because, you see, when you perceive the beauty of the king of the kingdom, his compelling worth and pricelessness, then obviously you receive him. But the reason why people don't receive him is because they have not perceived the true value of the king and the kingdom. Jesus makes this very obvious and clear in John chapter 3, verse 3. Well-known verse, this is what Jesus says. He says, unless a person is born again, right, that's the work of the Holy Spirit, they cannot see the kingdom of God. See means spiritually perceive, spiritually comprehend and apprehend the kingdom and all its blessings and benefits. You see, this is why when we preach the gospel or we communicate the gospel to our friends, without the Holy Spirit, you know what they do? People do without the Spirit. They internally yawn. They just, they just yawn within. They're like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, and they may say, oh, that's interesting. Oh, that's intriguing. Or, or the classic is, oh, that's, that's really good for you. But inside, it's just, so what? So what? Like, what a waste of effort, really, like giving your life to Jesus. That's not a beauty. That's not something that's priceless or worth doing. It's an internal yawn. In addition to this, this further explains why some people look at those who follow Jesus, who give their lives to Jesus, and subconsciously say, what a waste of time. Like, how foolish. What a waste of life. What a missed opportunity. You know, this reminds me of Jim Elliot. You might be familiar with him. Jim Elliot was a missionary. He went to a particular tribe deep into the Ecuadorian jungle, the Waradami tribe. They were really violent. They were ruthless. And he went with his four friends to reach this unreached people group for Christ. They went to preach the gospel there. And as they were doing that, they were speared to death by these tribesmen. Jim Elliot one of his famous quotes is this, and maybe you've seen this quote somewhere. He said this, He is no fool who gives what he cannot keep to gain that which he cannot lose. What an amazing statement. But you know what? The reason why, one of the main reasons why he said this is because people were saying that about him. They were saying, Jim, you're a fool. I mean, you live in America, the American dream, right? The world is your oyster. You're a young man, and, and you've decided to go to an Ecuadorian jungle to tell these tribesmen about Jesus. I mean, how foolish, how silly, how stupid. What a waste of time. What a waste of life. But let me ask you, who was really the fool? Who was the fool? Was it Jim or was it his critics? And, and maybe uh, upon hearing of Jim's death and his friend's death, his missionary's death, that these people were confirmed in their opinion that it was a waste of time, that Jim was being a fool. Well, let me suggest to you, strongly suggest, that Jim Elliot, even though he was not worldly wise, he was heavenly wise. In God's eyes, he was not a fool, but very wise. Because you know what? When he closed his eyes in death, as he, as he speared to death, the next moment when he opened his spiritual eyes in glory, he saw Christ, the king of this kingdom. And what did he hear Jesus say to him? He heard, my good and faithful servant, you're my, my 
boy, well done. You gave your life for, for me. You sacrificed your life for me. And you are wise. You're not a fool. You're wise because you gave what you can, could not keep, namely your life and other things you let go for the sake of the kingdom. And now you'll never lose this inheritance, what I'm about to give you. So Jim was not a fool. And in addition... Jim and his friends were not speared in vain. They didn't shed their blood in vain. I love this story. It's a true story. There's a movie out there called The End of the Spear, and I encourage you to watch it. It's so powerful. It recounts the story of Jim and his four friends as they went to this Waradami tribe with the gospel. The truth is, as these men, these missionaries, were being speared to death, these tribesmen all of a sudden noticed, they saw these beings of light all around the forest, this jungle, as they were killing them. And they realized that these men, these missionaries, had been sent by the Creator. You see, these tribesmen lived in fear, perpetual fear all the time. And they realized, oh, we've just killed messengers from this almighty being, so that when other missionaries followed Jim and his friends, they found a lot of these tribesmen not hostile, but open, ready to receive the message about Jesus. And I love this. One of these tribesmen, Mikai's name is, I think that's how you pronounce his name, Mikai. He, you see this guy here? This guy's Steve Saint. And his father, Nate Saint, was the pilot, the jungle pilot, who flew Jim and his friends into this region. And Nate Saint was speared to death by this man, Mikai. Mikai killed this man's father. And yet when these missionaries followed up after Jim and his friends, this guy was ready to hear about Jesus. He gave his life to Christ. He became a dedicated follower. He became a preacher in that village, an elder in a new established local church. And others came to faith because of this man's witness. And two months ago, church, he entered glory. So was Jim Elliot a fool? To give up all that he gave up, the American dream and all the comforts? Absolutely not. He's in glory, but not only is Jim and the others in glory, but this man is in glory and others will be in glory. Generations will be in glory because of that sacrifice. And so the point I'm making here is this. People said that Jim was a fool and people will say that you are a fool and I'm a fool for giving our lives to Jesus. And we're to expect that. People will misunderstand us because the kingdom is hidden. Without the Holy Spirit, people can't see it. And yet we need to continue to believe for people when they don't believe. We need to continue to love them, shower them with kindness. We need to continue to pray for them urgently. We need to, to continue to witness them, speak the gospel. Because, you know, as Heal mentioned last week, God uses means to bring about his kingdom ends. And we must continue to do this great work so that in the power of the Holy Spirit, people can see for themselves the preciousness and the priceless nature of the kingdom of God. So the kingdom is priceless. Secondly, the kingdom is partially hidden. And third, the kingdom is to be personally received. The theological term is individually appropriated, but that's all kind of highfalutin and holier now. So personally received is better. Now let me explain what I mean here. The key figure in each parable is an individual. Each one, each individual finds something of great value and then does something to acquire or appropriate or receive that expensive object. Now 
the imagery, interestingly, that Jesus is using here would have struck his audience. They, they would have been confused. They would have been amazed. Why? Because they were prone to think in collective terms, right? Not individual terms, but collective corporate terms. Like, okay, well, we're already God's kingdom citizens because we are citizens in the nation of Israel. We've been born as Jews into the nation of Israel, and therefore we are kingdom citizens automatically but Jesus is stressing otherwise he's saying no 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 you need to for yourself like these guys find the kingdom receive the kingdom appropriate by faith the kingdom namely you've got to trust me the king of the kingdom association in other words Jesus is saying is not sufficient you need to appropriate for yourself the kingdom You see, likewise, a lot of people think that they're in the kingdom because they've been baptized as a baby or they have joined a church or they attend a church or they give money to a church or they are a leader in a particular church. But Jesus again stresses, no, 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 association is not enough. You need appropriation. You need to move from association to appropriation. You need to actually receive the kingdom. And the way you do that, personally receive the kingdom, is by personally receiving the king of the kingdom himself. Jesus makes this very plain, or should I say uh, the apostle John makes this plain in his gospel in chapter 1. Listen to what he says. He says, he, that is Jesus, came to that which was his own. That is, Jesus came to his own family, the Jewish people, right, in the nation of Israel. But, and here's one of the most tragic verses in the whole New Testament, but his own did not receive him. They rejected him. They ignored him. They ostracized him. They crucified him. But he did, they did not receive him. I think one of the main reasons why they didn't receive him is because they thought, why do we need to believe in this guy? Like, like, why, why do we accept him? I and mean, we were already citizens, okay? Why do, why do we need him? And they didn't receive him. Broadly speaking, a lot of them were left on the outside of the kingdom because they didn't receive the king of the kingdom. Yet, here's the good news, to all, all, that's inclusive language, right? To all, it doesn't matter who you are, all who did receive him, to those who believed in his name, his name, the great king of the kingdom, he gave the right to become children of God. In other words, citizens in the kingdom. And so let me urge you today, if you haven't yet appropriated by faith or received, personally received the King of the Kingdom, the Lord Jesus Christ, the treasure and all the benefits that are found in Him, then let me urge you to do that. To do that today. Trust in this one who came to make you His treasure. What's the proof that we've done this, that we've actually made Jesus our treasure, that we've appropriated by faith, that we've received the kingdom? The proof is what? Love for Jesus. Love for Jesus that spills out in sacrificial living like Jim Elliot and uh, generosity that we, we begin to love what he loves, Jesus loves. We begin to hate what Jesus hates. This is what it means. It all flows out of love and devotion to Jesus Christ. This is the evidence that we are in the kingdom. But of course, the opposite is tragically true, seriously true. If we don't love Christ this way, with all our heart, mind, soul, and strength, that shows that as yet we're not kingdom citizens, but we're actually under the judgment of God. The Apostle Paul makes this very clear, this sobering verse in 1 Corinthians chapter 16, verse 22. Listen to what he says. If anyone does not love the Lord, that is, the Lord Jesus Christ, being devoted to him, you're my king, the king of the kingdom, let that person 
be cursed. That person, whoever they are, be cursed. That is, they deserve death. They deserve eternal hell because they have not received the king of the kingdom. They have not bowed the knee to King Jesus. They have not experienced his liberating rule, but they've rejected it. And so they deserve to be cursed forever. Let me plead with you. If this is you, if there's a lot of association but no appropriation, you haven't personally received Jesus yourself, then do that today. It's not enough to be in a Christian household. It's not enough to attend a church. It's not enough to join us for these online services. You need to, for yourself, believe in Christ so that you may not be cursed but experience all the blessings that we've looked at in this message. So the kingdom of God is priceless, it's partially concealed, it's personally received. And lastly, and I want to finish on the note of joy, the fourth principle is this, the kingdom of God is the source of true joy. Endless, unending delight and festivity and ecstasy and happiness. The kingdom of God is about joy. Notice what Jesus inserts, the word that he inserts in the first of these two parables. He says in verse 44, The kingdom of heaven is like a treasure in a field. When a man found it, he hid it again. And then in his joy, in his ecstasy is the word. In his, I mean, no one had to twist his arm behind his back. Okay, all right, if you want this, you've got to sell this stuff. Oh, I don't want to do that. No, no, no. He did that whilst whistling. He wasn't reluctant in the slightest. He, he had experienced joy. Wow, yeah, I'm going I'm to get this treasure. You know, sometimes when I tell my daughters this story, this particular parable, I use poetic license to fuel their little imaginations. And so I say to them, okay, let's just say this guy's name is Joe, right? Good Jewish name, Joe. And Joe, wow, he's digging around this field and he finds this treasure chest and then it's gold nuggets, wow, and diamonds and rubies and, and pearls and other things. And he buries it in and he, he goes and goes, okay, I need that, that the field. The field's really ugly, but, but uh, it doesn't matter. I, I'm going to sell everything. And then he starts to do that. And then Joe's friends, they come to Joe and they say, Joe, like, do you realize you've been the talk of the town these past two weeks? I mean, we're really concerned. You're selling all your possessions. I mean, you just sold your finest donkey. It's such a faithful donkey. You sold your DVD collection. You sold all your toys. And then Frank told us, right, another Jewish name, Frank, kind of, that outside your house, there's a star partner sign which says for sale. I mean, you're selling your house as well. And, and then to top it off, we realized, we found out that you're selling all this stuff to buy that rocky, rat-infested plot of land. You have gone bonkers. And, and Joe, why are you smiling? Why are you whistling? Like, why are you so joyful? Why are you so happy? You see, church, this experience of deep joy and delight is another sure sign that we are kingdom citizens. Kingdom citizens. Without joy, it's unlikely, this deep joy, it's unlikely that we have actually accepted Christ. You know, Jesus in the, in the gospel says that when one sinner repents, there is joy in the presence of the angels. Why is there joy in the presence of the angels? Because the Father, Almighty God, is singing. He's rejoicing. Oh, another son. Oh, another daughter has come home to me through Christ. And yet, of course, there's also joy in 
the world, in the heart of the person who's been born again. There's this connection, there's this joy in the heart of the Father and joy in the son or daughter who's just been born again. There's joy. The Apostle Paul makes this clear in Romans chapter 14, verse 17, when he says this, the kingdom of God, that's what we're thinking about, right? In these parables, last week, this week, the kingdom of God is about a couple of things, a few things, righteousness, peace, and what? What is it? Joy in the Holy Spirit. Joy in the Holy Spirit. Which means when someone is truly born again, they experience this joy. They say, wow, God is no longer my judge. He's my father. Wow, Jesus is my king. He's my friend. He's my savior. He's my older brother. Wow, these other Christians are my brothers and sisters. Wow, I'm a part of the universal body of Christ, the bride of Christ. Wow, hell is no longer my destiny. Wow, heaven now is my eternal destination. Wow, wow, wow. And that is joy. All the wows communicate joy in the Holy Spirit. And this is what the kingdom of God is about it's not about sour grapes it's about joy deep within which becomes what our strength and don't we need this church right now so much alarm so much uncertainty so much confusion and anarchy and yet we need this joy people out there need Christians to be full of joy not concern not bitterness not resentment not uncertainty but full of joy this is the sign one of the main signs that someone has been truly born again because why the kingdom of god is the source of true ending happiness and festivity let me ask you are you experiencing this joy today this joy of being a part of god's kingdom if the answer is yes then that's fantastic and i would encourage you to stay close walk closely to the king of the kingdom so that you may continue to taste the sweet joys of the kingdom all the things that we've been looking at in this message in increasing um, worth I guess you'll increase uh, in your experience of all these benefits of freedom and you know knowing that you're truly forgiven and walking with God in fellowship and fullness in life and having a stronger hope each and every, every day as you draw closer to the end you know this future glory in heaven I pray that as you walk as we walk as a church close to Jesus these things will be ours in ever increasing measure but if the answer is no if, if you're not experiencing joy in Christ then maybe, maybe you've allowed something to distract you. Maybe, maybe something is actually draining your joy from your heart. Maybe that you have given your attention or affection to something else. I mean, you used to be so fascinated with the kingdom. You used to be so captivated by the king of the kingdom, the Lord Jesus Christ. But, but just of late or maybe over a period of time, that has reduced, that has waned somewhat. And so my encouragement to you is come back to your first love, who is also your joy, this treasure, this ultimate pearl, the Lord Jesus Christ himself. Repent of whatever it is that is causing you to be sidetracked, whatever hindrance it may be, get rid of it in the power of the Holy Spirit and come back to Christ who is your first love. So you may experience again this joy, this joy, which will be your strength because the kingdom is about joy in the Holy Spirit, both now and for all eternity. So these four things that we've noticed 
in these two amazing parables about the kingdom. The kingdom of God is priceless. The kingdom of God is hidden, partially concealed. The kingdom of God needs to be personally received. And also the kingdom of God is the true source of joy, which is to be our strength. A couple of concluding thoughts here as we reflect on these two connected parables. Real brief, but real important. Number one, display. Display. Church, the majority of people we daily rub shoulders with don't know about Jesus. They don't realize that he is the treasure, right? He's just, it's, just, it's just the yawn, the kingdom. It's just, it's just yawn. And what do they need? They need people to be like treasure, right? To shine for Jesus, to be like this pearl of great pride, to, to shine. The pearl is kind of in the clan. He's to kind of open up and shine for Christ. And so let's not bury Jesus beneath the soil of our fear, beneath the soil of our indifference or apathy. But rather, let's, let's expose Christ, let's reflect Christ, let's show Christ to those around about us so that they, in the power of the Holy Spirit, come to realize the priceless nature and the priceless, precious nature of the kingdom of God. So let's display. Second, discover. You know, you might be a part of this online service and you've yet to really discover the beauty of Christ, the compelling worth of Jesus Christ as we've been reflecting on that today. And it's so great that you have been joining us or you've joined us today for this online service. And I want to encourage you, please make contact with us. We want to get in contact with you. We want to help you on your journey as you discover the person of Jesus Christ. You know, Jesus is a treasure that wants to be unearthed. He doesn't want to remain concealed or hidden. He wants you to know him deeply, personally. He wants you to experience all the benefits that we've considered in this message and so much more. And so make contact with us. The details will be on the screen after the church. But again, our desire as a church is for you to discover the wonder and the compelling beauty of Jesus Christ. Church, how about we pray as we just reflect on these parables? Father, Father, Thank you. Thank you for Jesus. Thank you for this treasure that is your son, this pearl of great price and all that we find in this king of the kingdom, all these blessings and benefits. And Lord, it is humbling to remember that when Christ found us, he didn't find us as nuggets of gold, but really he found us sinful and worthless he found us deserving of death he found us not nuggets but as maggots really maggots of sin and depravity and yet yet he gave his life he gave it all up in order to make us his eternal treasure and in him that is exactly what we are and so this humbles us but yet it fills us with endless praise and joy and confidence because we are yours now father forever and ever we are your kingdom citizens and so i pray lord god that we would stay close to christ that jesus would constantly be perpetually be our first love and lord also for those who are viewing this service today maybe for the first time lord i pray you would by your spirit help them discover the priceless nature of your kingdom the worth and the gold and the treasure and the pearl that is in jesus 
In your son's name we pray. Amen. Thank you for listening to the Parramatta Christian Church podcast. To hear other sermons or to find out more about our church, please visit our website at pcc.org.au.